Hello, solar energy, electric vehicle, and wind energy fans. Clean Tech Talk is here. I'm happy to announce that we're relaunching Clean Tech Talk with Matthew Klippenstein continuing as a co-host and Nicholas Zart joining as the other co-host. Uh, both of these guys have, uh, I think, decades worth of clean tech experience, so they can offer great insight um, and and context to uh, the hottest clean tech stories of the week. They're a lot of fun, a lot of fun to chat with. I'm sure they're going to be a lot of fun to listen to on an ongoing basis. Uh, I had a lot of fun listening to this first episode, and I'll let you just jump into it now. So yes, hello everyone. It's uh, Matthew Klippenstein back with uh, Clean Tech Talks. We've had uh, a few little uh, scheduling adjustments to be made, but we're delighted to be back. Uh, our uh, new co-host here is uh, Nicholas Zart from the Car News Cafe, and we can't wait to get two things. We're recording this the morning after um, the U.S. election, which we'll deal with very slightly. And uh, perhaps I'll just give uh, Nicholas a minute here to just introduce himself, uh, let you all get to know a little bit about him, and then we'll kick things off. Great. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Matthew. In indeed, it's the morning after, so we're, we're still... We're still Good Lord. We're still thinking about everything, everything that's happening here. So I'm Nicholas Zard, and uh, indeed we, we have a website called Car News Cafe, but um, you know, I, I write for Clean Technica, I write for Tesla Ratty and a few other things, uh, other websites like that. And I've been following, of course, electric vehicles and renewable energy since, uh, since about 2008, little 2007, I guess. And uh, wow, what an amazing ride it has been this uh, past decade. Um, and indeed, today is a very special day, isn't it, Matthew? Yes, it's. I, I don't know if I'd say special because special often implies, you know, positive. This is definitely noteworthy, notorious. Uh, it is a significant day. I'm, I'm sure that uh, there is a lot of concern on the progressive side. I, I, as you might imagine, I'm sort of on the left slash far left of the political spectrum. Yep. But hey, you know, I've got uh, a lot of friends who lean right. Uh, the uh, political diversity is, is, is as important to a society as genetic diversity is to a species because it keeps things going, keeps a nice amount of, uh, of back and forth and uh, variation and innovation even. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I was, maybe I should just also mention, I'm, I'm, I'm really neither right or left. I, I think both have great ideas. Uh, it's the practicality that I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned about at this stage. But um, it would be nice one day getting uh, somebody from the right, you know, side of things and to come and talk with us. That's something we should think about. Sure, that, that would be a quite, uh, quite positive, I think. Um, thinking about uh, Donald Trump's victory here, my uh, thinking, and I imagine that there are several other uh, clean tech thinkers out there who are thinking the same thing, is that I would have been very worried if this was 2006, because at the time, solar was still a lot more expensive. Wind was, again, still a lot more expensive. And... Ten years ago, having a presumably right-wing administration, maybe one which is very uh, for which uh, the uh, fossil fuel sector is dear to its heart, could have really slowed down and impaired the progress that we're making on the clean tech side. But right now is actually 2016, and we've had these amazing cost drops in solar, in wind. We've had uh, battery storage begin to bloom here. We can, we can see the you know, truly exponential kind of growth trends beginning. And so my take, and being Canadian is you know, not necessarily the same or, or even accurate, uh, but my take is that you know, whatever happens 
has sorry whatever has happened will be a mere speed bump you know it might slow us down in our effort to transition off fossil fuels in our effort to uh, restrain climate change but it won't stop us and the pendulum always swings back and forth so if we can just do our best to keep on making progress at some stage we will get a super pro renewables or pro environmental um uh, administration in Washington again and by that point we should be even stronger uh, so uh, Nicholas uh, you're currently in France I think right uh, what's the, what's the take uh, your take from that side of the Atlantic well it's it's definitely very interesting I don't think anybody um, uh, talks to me without asking about what's going on and all that stuff I'm, I'm no expert so obviously it's very interesting but I, I think your point is 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 spot-on um, if this would have been at the time of you know 2008 when Obama came in that would have been uh, would have been really tough for the clean um, energy sector and and you're right by now we have proven over and over again that clean energy whether solar wind or or of course you know a good healthy portfolio of that is uh, not only much more efficient but it is uh, very feasible these days and and actually much more economical than obviously petroleum and coal, obviously. So yeah, I think it's a very good point and I'm, I'm glad to see that. I, I also think one thing, um, we can't really judge one person and their uh, vice presidents. What really worries me so far is we don't know who's gonna be at the head of the, uh, you know, the Secretary of uh, Defense, uh, Interior and um, Environment. Those are the key roles that will influence uh, us forward. But, but you're right, I mean, I don't see us going back to uh, petroleum and coal anytime soon and uh yeah it's gonna be very interesting um a friend of mine just said something really interesting he said it's gonna be the best four years for punk rockers and comedians <laughs> yeah i could imagine uh, there is a trend i've been told uh that if you have say a left-wing uh left-leaning uh individual in power in a country then right leaning organizations ngos tend to get us a, a big upswell in support and vice versa if you have a a, a right-leaning uh, politician leading a country then left-leaning or left-oriented groups tend to see uh, see uh, uh, a lot more people joining and contributing and trying to help that's true and you know also one quick thing you mentioned um you, you are canadian the um the uh, immigration site the canada's immigration site went down last night Yes, I, I did read that. That uh, that was kind of amusing. We we have had um, extra traffic at that site. Uh, again, first well, there was last night. I think in two thousand four, we also saw a big uh, a big rise in uh, website visits at the time. There is a goal uh, that a think tank in Canada uh, has put out that they think it'd be a wonderful idea for Canada to go from thirty five million people to a hundred million people by the end of the century. I actually think that would be kind of uh, kind of nice because, um, well, for various reasons, yes. but we don't have to get into at the moment. Um, but uh, uh, I'm sure there is a. It's it's like sailing in a in a sailboat, I suppose. I not that I sail, but I understand that a good expert sailor can kind of go in the direction they want to go when the wind is you know almost any direction. Basically, uh, there's only a small angle at which you can't go in the direction you want by manipulating the sail in the desired way. Mm. And so I think, again, on the clean tech side, on the renewable energy side, on the sustainability and environmental side, uh, we, can, we can still move forward uh, 
irrespective of the politics, because ultimately the economics dominate the politics. Uh, if you don't have the economics behind you, then yes, politics will will really uh, um, buff, buffet you around. But uh, we have the economics on our side, and as a result, the politics is kind of noise that doesn't or shouldn't overly affect us. Yeah. I guess the, one other thing is uh, specific to the United States. I work in the, my, the, the renewable energy consultancy for whom I work, does a lot of wind work, and there was regulatory certainty given uh, by the recent five-year extension of the, I think it's the production tax credit or maybe the investment tax credit. Uh, at any rate, uh, that uh, it would be very difficult uh, to sort of rip up that kind of an agreement that Congress had previously committed to. And so again, there, there's a structure that, again, should allow us to come through, you know, however bad we think a Trump presidency might be for our particular cause and interest, uh, it won't be catastrophic. You know, we can, we can, we can hit the speed bump. Okay, maybe, maybe we have to change a flat tire, but then we'll be right back on the road there. Well, and you know, most likely you're right, and, and thankfully uh, we do have a nice little simulation of uh, of 100% renewable energy uh, article that Josh wrote for us, right? Um, yes, exactly, and uh, that's a that's an awesome segue there, Nicholas. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, this uh, we'll we'll link to this in the show notes, of course. But uh, uh, about a week uh, last week, uh, Josh Hill had uh, written about a simulation developed by researchers in Finland modeling a 100% global renewable energy grid uh, covering the entire planet, uh, something that they want to actually extend to heat flows as well, which is awesome. Fantastic. And I think the really big uh, significance for me uh, of this is that it is difficult to imagine something which hasn't been uh, sort of put into place in a prototype form. You know, if you uh, mm-hmm. if you think about, say, the solar roof unveiling that Elon Musk had, there's a lot of question like, you know, is it real? Is it substantial? Uh, they put some demonstration units on the set of what was it, Desperate Housewives, something like that, and mm-hmm. it's real. You know, they didn't release pricing or some other information, but uh, once you had that prototype, that first working example, it's a whole lot easier to envision, wow, okay, this is real, I can see how it works. And in the same way, I'm very uh, hopeful about this um, 100% renewable energy uh, system simulation because now uh, we should have a tool whereby we can say, hey, look, maybe we're not, you know, here's a real way that we can say, let's get to 100%. If you have no model, then you get into this uh, limitation of people's imaginations. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, it's true. And, and I think also it's really amazing because the first thing that struck me when I looked at it is exactly what should have happened a long time ago. Um, the smart grid really closely resembles basically the Internet, right? Lots of redundancy everywhere, lots of passages here, backbones here and there. And, and this really does take that into consideration. It's amazing. Um, it will have to happen. We all know that the grid needs to be smart. The grid needs to be upgraded. It's a security measure. <laughs> we have to do it. And it's also an efficiency uh, measure. And obviously, I mean, renewables are amazing. I mean, they're, they're just, it, it, we can balance, we can load balance anything anywhere. And, and that's the beauty of it. And I, I, you know, I feel sorry for naysayers. That's the, that's the worst part. I feel sorry for them because every time, 
it just gets worse and worse and worse for them to defend their nonsense. You can't really defend anything like that anymore, especially considering everything that we've seen and also the energy density of batteries, the, the price of uh, the price that continually drops all the time. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I'll try and uh, dig the links up for the show notes, but uh, people who have been following the renewable energy space for maybe more than 10, 15 years, or have seen the links know that back when Germany wanted to start its ener energy vendor, its energy transition, uh, experts were saying, okay, maybe we can take 5% of variable intermittent renewables on the grid. Then uh, it was like, okay, well, you can do five, but uh, but you can't go past 10. Then it was like, oh, you can't go past 20. That's you can't go past 30. And so here we have a model which will be able to show, hey, this is how you can get to 100. Uh, that gives us something physical to look at, to uh, to aim towards. And sure, it'll, it'll require tweaks and so forth, but this is a way of moving that mental goalpost from 20, 30, 40, wherever it is in various people's minds today, to 100. And then that, that will allow us to move uh, faster forward towards that goal. Very cool. You know, that's a very good point. And also another thing that dawned on me but when you were saying all this is that you noticed how those numbers are very similar to the efficiency of solar panels. Because it's true, we used to talk about, good Lord, if we could get up to 10%, that'd be amazing. Uh, and then it was 14% and we're sort of stagnated at that number for a while. Now, you know, 20 to 30, which by the way, it's pretty close to what solar panels do now these days. So maybe there's something to look into here. Maybe those, there's a good parallel there. But anyway, it is going up and it is going forward. And that's one thing I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. Yes, yeah. And uh, speaking of going forward, you had uh, uh, thought about Volkswagen's um, attempts to go forward from its uh, catastrophic uh, diesel fiasco. Yeah. Yes. Now, that, that is really interesting because when the whole fiasco um, happened last year, I was actually on my way to Germany. And uh, so I really got a good sense of what was happening. And it was I mean, definitely shock and horror for most Germans. But one thing that, that followed the, 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 the next, uh, the following eight or nine months is that pretty much everything we heard from Volkswagen was, and I'm going to be really harsh with Volkswagen. I like Volkswagen a lot, but this time I'm going to be harsh. It was vaporware. Um, we had a lot of, we're going to do this in the future. We're going to do this in the future, you know, EVs and this and this and that. And it just felt like a, a, an overuse of marketing and PR and especially with nothing very, very concrete. And I think the ultimate was the, um, was the uh, electric uh, uh, van that they were talking about. I, I mean, I still look at it and as great as it is, there's no way we can charge that in, in a half hour. I mean, we, we'd need level four easily. So, so all the news I was, I was reading from Volkswagen just was, was, it was too much about, hey guys, we got it. Now we're doing electric cars and all that good stuff. But all I wanted was you know, something very concrete. So Volkswagen did uh, finally do um, talk about very concrete things that, uh, that they are doing now. And I think, and it's too bad because I think most of the press did miss it. But the biggest news, the last news was Audi is, is removing itself from the race, from races, right? From endurance race and everything. Mm -hmm. That's very concrete. There you go. You know, they have billions of dollars they need to spend on their image, on, on lawsuits and everything. But they were always talking about spending money on developing cars, which obviously they need to. Uh, this news is really, I think, finally a year later, 
Volkswagen is serious about it. D despite, you know, having uh, whatever, who is that poor engineer who just who had blamed for everything. But this is, really, this is real news and this is something we should talk about. It, it sounds like they are really serious this time. Yeah, so this, this might be an example of uh, that uh, myth. Uh, it's apparently an urban legend that, uh, you know, the Chinese characters for crisis are danger and opportunity. I've read on Snopes.com and Wikipedia that it's not quite that but it's it's kind of catchy and so you know Volkswagen has this relatively existential crisis it's not going to kill the company but uh, it is definitely badly um, badly tarnished the only realistic path forward is to uh, jettison the uh, falsehoods and the deceptions of the past and really embark in a new direction, electric direction, that is vigorous enough that it allows people to forget or eventually forgive uh, their past misdeeds, at least the diesel-related ones. And so I think uh, you are right. It is a, it is a, a big uh, – it is highly symbolic that Audi has stepped back from racing. Their common – vehicle building platform that should allow them to make at least plug-in hybrids off of many of their models uh, and uh, I am sure that they will have uh, pure electric vehicles with a couple hundred miles range in the next few years. It's a case where if the if they had not been tarnished uh, that much then perhaps they wouldn't have been required been forced into going you know to committing seriously uh, to uh, electric transportation, it, it has become bad enough that uh, they do appear to have decided to aggressively uh, make this switch, and that is a positive overall. Yeah, very true. And, and you know, also another thing too, if, have you noticed the new e-golf? They really did bump it up. They, those are the news we're looking for. I want to see something very concrete. Now, the, old, uh, the very first generation of e-golf was great, was good. Uh, but now it's pushing along. We're going over a hundred mile range, and that's that's what we want to see, not what we want to hear. Uh, obviously, we want to hear it, but we want to also see it. And I think those are very, very, like you said, very symbolic uh, gestures. And and I'm I'm happy. I think they're going in the right direction. Right. Uh, I think yeah. So uh, Volkswagen had recently announced that um, I think end of this year, early next year, their uh, their new e golf will be on the order of uh, not maybe 180 miles, not quite 200 miles, um, which is about 300 kilometers. So um, I again, I'm sure that uh, now, I guess similar to this 100% uh, renewable energy model, now that automakers see that okay, there is a demand for electric vehicles. You know, maybe it's not the biggest market segment but it's a big enough demand that they don't want to lose vehicle sales to people who decide to go to another brand. So um, perhaps Volkswagen and other automakers are going to be more likely from now on to have, you know, let's say the Ford Taurus or I don't know, the Toyota Corolla, um, their vehicles, whether car or truck, they might soon, relatively soon, all offer a plug-in version at the highest end. You know, you get the yeah. everything tricked out, and you get the battery, and the you know first however many miles um, off uh, off the battery, and that would be tremendous progress because it it really widens the field. Perhaps the biggest thing uh, that I heard uh, that I was told recently was that you know the next Ford F one fifty, best selling vehicle in the states for decades, best selling ve uh, vehicle in Canada for like fifty years running, uh, will have a plug in option. 
doesn't mean all of them will have, you know, all of them will be plugins, definitely not. But the simple fact that you have the number one by a head and shoulders, massive country mile margin vehicle, top selling vehicle in North America with a plugin option, even if only a few percent of buyers choose that, that's still a massive number. And that, that will continue this process of batteries becoming cheaper, uh, electric vehicles becoming more common, people seeing, hey, this is actually for real, like that model. Uh, it's not some exotic thing just for, you know, uh, eco-friendly people and performance car enthusiasts. And so that will basically continue this snowballing whereby uh, we can make this transition. So it's, it's, it's very, uh, very promising. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good point because I remember um, we, I used to talk a lot to uh, the Ford guys between, you know, the years 2008, 2011. And the whole idea was that, yes, you know, we want to make sure our new cars, our new platforms, will it be able to have anything you want? You want a gasoline car, you can get a diesel, CNG, plug-in hybrids, EVs. And so it was really exciting. Unfortunately, they didn't do that much. But this, I wasn't aware of what you just said, the F-150. That's a great idea. That's really good because Via might have opened up um, the gates with their uh, uh, GM pickup trucks. Uh, Ford should really jump on that one. And, and like you said, also another great point. You're right. So what? It is only 1%, 2%, 3%. I've never seen any new market open up at 50 or 100%. Obviously, it's the potential of the market we should be focusing on. And obviously, we have a lot of potential there. So I'm, I'm glad to see these companies, although seemingly reluctantly, but at least going in that direction. So that's really good news. Right. So basically, on the automotive company side, we need the companies to offer as wide a variety of options as possible. I think there's something on the order of 250 different vehicle models available in the U.S. And maybe two dozen of them maybe 30 now uh, are, are plug-in options of some sort and it, it might not be practical or, or viable to worry about getting all 250 models with a plug option but getting from 30 to 50 and then to 100 then it's something of uh, social proof working on consumers uh, then it's a uh, it's it's more in our ballpark that with the supply possibly there or the availability there then uh, we can focus more on our friends and neighbors, our colleagues, you know, our relatives uh, to say, hey, you know, you really should consider this. These has been out for years. Um, once, once we get that uh, uh, breadth of product offering in the market, then I'm sure the uptake will increase substantially. It's often commented that hybrids are only a few percent of the market, and that's very true, but that's because until the past year or so, Toyota had all the patents, or all the worthwhile patents. Sure. And, and they were maybe 12 to 15% of Toyota's sales, global, worldwide, including markets where you know, price is an extremely sensitive issue. So there you can see that if an automaker commits, you know, they can get double digit percentages. It might take 10, 15 years, but uh, Toyota getting 12%, 15% hybrids in say 15 years or so after introducing their first low volume Prius in Japan only, that's, that's, that's a lot of a, that's a very different message from, oh, hybrids only have two or 3% market share. Uh, Toyota has also mentioned that at this point, uh, uh, 100 or 200 mile EV is actually cheaper than a hybrid to build uh, simply because of the simplicity of the system. Yeah, by the way, that's a, you know, that's a really, really good number. You're right. Of all the, 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 the different 
types of cars that we have available, that's a pretty high number of plugs uh, of plugins. But um, you, you know, you're right. The, the 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 real news I think this week might be Toyota. Did you see that Toyota finally said? Okay, okay, we will make electric, pure electric vehicles by 2020, and we're putting a team together as of next year. Did you see this? I did indeed, and uh, that, that is uh, that's, that's tremendous uh, progress. I am sure that basically Toyota being the, the world's largest uh, uh, car maker, although they're, they're like by a whisker or by a hair, they're always competing with Volkswagen. <laughs> Having them fully on board will again broaden the product offering, broaden the market of people who might consider buying a vehicle with a plug. And yeah, that is that uh, that perhaps could uh, could be another sort of um, another piece of news that counterbalances the disappointment that many of us feel about having Donald Trump elected. Again, in the end, the economics will overcome the political resistance. We've got the economics on our side. It's getting even more on our side. And so it's a matter of you know, sort of getting our was it, nose to the grindstone, just continuing the hard slog, especially now when it's tempting to you know, throw our hands up and kind of get depressed. But if we can just work through this next few years, then uh, we will emerge even stronger, even more, uh, more, uh, economically viable and advantaged as we are now. I think that we are getting to our approximate uh, time uh, allotment. We don't want to keep uh, you listeners uh, too busy. Um, some podcasts uh, offer the uh, the voice speed up thing that uh, I've used on occasion. Works pretty well. But uh, any last words you want to share, um, uh, Nicholas, before we get together next week? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think, we, you know, next week we absolutely have to talk about the uh, the uh, national uh, nationwide alternative fuel corridor because now that, uh, you know, this Trump administration is about to um, uh, start ruling the country, I guess, or start being president, or so on and so forth, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen to these uh, 48 routes um, I think that will be, yeah, that's going to be very interesting. I, mean, I can't wait to talk about that. But uh, no, so far, I think, I think we, we, we're going to have the next, next two, three weeks are going to be very interesting. We will find out who's going to be who in key positions. And uh, we have to keep an eye out for Toyota because that's a huge announcement from Toyota. If you know, I mean, Toyota has been poo-pooing electric cars from the get-go. And it's not so much Toyota, by the way. It's really the uh, Japanese government who basically said, we need to do hydrogen fuel cells, and you guys will do that. And Toyota took it really to heart. So it's, it's a huge piece of, uh, of news. It's a huge um, change of direction. So, But, yeah, this is very exciting, definitely. Yes, uh, to quote the uh, president-elect, it's huge. Yes. So uh, anyway, that's. I promise that'll be my only uh, campaign joke today. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you soon on the uh, now resuming regular podcasting uh, Clean Tech Talks podcast. Um, come back uh, next week at uh, your uh, favored uh, podcasting platform to get your electric fix. Yeah, thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week, and we look forward to talking to you again next week with plenty, plenty of topics.